Dane and Derek is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. You can find content warnings in the episode description. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dane and Derek. Uh, this week, we once again have our good friend Clara on the show. Say hi, Dane, and say hi, Clara. Hi. I was just being polite. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I get so stressed out when a podcast has a guest on and the guest like immediately starts to doesn't know how to act, which frankly was me on the last episode. I'm like immediately accidentally talking over you guys. I bet that like whoever's listening, like, this bitch is already oh, talking no, over them. No, no. Just a little no. bit of a <laughs> adjustment were, period. Yeah, no, you did great. I was, we, we were the ones who were rusty. Yeah. I, for, for those who haven't put it together yet. Um, I went to law school and these are my first two episodes back. Yeah. Uh, what, two and a half months since we last re- actually recorded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last time they heard, um, heard us like chatting, uh, I never would have said something like this does not constitute legally legal advice. Um, <laughs> these are things I need to say now. Yep. And to that point, this, this week's episode is not not legal advice it is in fact who knows yeah maybe, <laughs> let's get litigious, litigious about <laughs> the litigious of zelda wow liturgy the liturgy of zelda the wait isn't that something religious I liturgical i don't know uh, probably that's an sat word there yeah but uh, anyway man. yeah we want to talk about zelda zelda which yeah. is like I'd say it's arguably one of Clara's favorite things. Absolutely, yes. I, I thought you were about to say arguably one of Clara's favorite games, Derek. And I was like, <laughs> this isn't ar- this isn't arguable. Then you, you said things argument. in general, <laughs> like you you put it up into a, a a broader echelon. I was like, yeah, okay, fine, fine. That's that's acceptable. Um, yeah, Clara, have you played them all? Like, I, and I just mean like mainline. I'm not talking about like Zelda Monopoly or whatever. <laughs> No, I haven't played that one, but it'd be really fun. I've played... It's crucial to understanding the time break. Sorry. Yeah, no. That is a deep cut reference that not a lot of people... Polygon video Brian David Gilbert did about the Zelda timeline. It's uh, it's a riot. That might be my most favorite bit of Zelda content, and I'm sorry. Which is great. No, that's a great one. That is a great touchstone. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be funny. We're trying to, like trying to keep it kind of snappy keep it kind of short and sweet on this episode uh, i gotta Dane go has study to go, for finals has to go do good things but like <laughs> this topic I don't, for me if you all right don't Dane's argue a nerd don't argue i have to i have to i have to go study about like contracts let's not, let's not call it good at stop least morally ambiguous anyways continue already continue already sorry stop arguing <laughs> <laughs> instigator i am caffeinated the latte is kicking in gonna, okay let's put put the energy elsewhere yeah the, the thing is with uh yeah zelda as a franchise as a topic if you get me going and give me the time i could go i could feel fill a handful of podcasts but um we very yeah. well might anyways <laughs> the yeah the ones that i've played um The ones that I have not played, I haven't played more than like an hour of the first one, haven't played the second one or 
Link to the Past, haven't played Link's Awakening. See, the thing is, those were those were the ones where I was like either not born or was a baby. Um, mm. And then I, I have finally played Ocarina of Time now. That I was a total Zelda poser. I had not played that one until uh, like two years ago. Um, I my first one was Wind Waker, sitting in Christina's mm. basement mm. playing Wind Waker mm. in uh, elementary school, and then Phantom Hourglass on the DS, and then kind of blossomed from there. Gotcha. Okay, Derek, which ones have you played? So prior to playing Breath of the Wild, which is the only Zelda game I've played, I played the first 15 minutes of Twilight Princess on a copy of that game that I borrowed from our friend Christina. For <laughs> five years, I borrowed that. <laughs> and I only played 15 minutes, and I'm so sorry, Christina. Um, but yeah, I've only played Breath of the Wild um, front okay. to front. Or, yeah, front to front. And I started my second playthrough. Nice. Um, and other, otherwise, most of my exposure to The Legend of Zelda has actually been through the once... Uh, eh, yeah, to the popular web series, The Legend of Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually think I know what that is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about a guy that gets sucked into The Legend of Zelda and has oh named Neil from Trenton, New Jersey. That sounds From silly. Trenton, New Jersey. That's from hilarious. 2006 to 2009, bitty. it aired on Spike TV from oh, no. Sandy Parikh of Guild of the Guild fame, um, or Desi Quest, wow. if you know that TTRPG show. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, so most of my exposure to it is through that web series and Breath of the Wild. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, Dane, I you? have, uh, Breath of the Wild was the second Legend of Zelda game I ever played. Um, as Derek put it, front to front. Um, uh, I've also played the recent remake of Link's Awakening front to front. Um, and the first one was the first one. Uh, my uncle uh, loved, 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 loved it. And so I played it because I wanted on like a Wii emulator when I was like 11 or 12 because I just wanted to know what the deal was. And I want to be very clear. I had a big old walkthrough and I had like... I was following it because I was like, this is hard. Oh, it's Jesus. so hard. Yeah, you, um, you need to walk through. Yeah. The first one is so, especially, like, obtuse. Definitely obtuse. Like, there's like, the, there's, like, a dungeon in it where, like, you have to bomb a wall to go into a room that is not on the map. And I'm like, that's such a dick move. The whole game, if you could <laughs> see the... See, if you had the map and you could see it, then you knew that, oh, I should bomb here. But that's just... It's, anyways. Um, I cannot even imagine being a child in like the 1980s with no internet and being like, no, literally, that's how you do it. It's it's horrible. Just trial and error. Like it's the Great Depression. No guide. Yeah. No guide. No guide. Anyway, anyways, yeah, no. So that's that's my experience. Um, I have like a lot of like adjacent like legend of zelda is kind of like really ubiquitous like it's kind of like star wars or star trek it's like just one of those things especially in video game culture that you just end up bumping into Mm -hmm. um no matter what you do so like i made jokes about like the brian david gilbert videos about zelda Mm -hmm. um because he did a breath of the wild cooking one that i also adore Mm -hmm. um and like i own like a legend of zelda cookbook because my partner really likes especially breath of the wild and so i cook things for her out of that sometimes um 
Yeah. Cooking song when you cook them. God, I wish. Um, <laughs> God, I'm, I'm not that rhythmic while I do my cooking. I need to get on it. Um, yeah. Anyways, but as much as I've enjoyed the games and I still super feel them in like things I love way more. Like, for example, uh, I actually think especially coming from like the very first Legend of Zelda as like a touchstone, I think there's like a direct line you can draw between that and like Elden Ring, for example. Yes. Um, and so like, I, I, like I kind of circle around it, but it's not the thing that lives in my heart. Um, in the same way that it totally lives in, in Clara's heart. Yeah. So it like I I live in it. Like one of one of my friends uses the phrase uh so and so is where my brain lives. Like this franchise is where my brain lives. Like it's kind of it's mm. kind of it's what I go back to. It's sort of yeah. like a comfort space and it's totally like it's uh like a franchise that um has been in most of my life. Like I started playing these games as a young kid and like, as a result, it's sort of like so comforting to go back to. Like I, I always loved the games. They were always influential on me, but especially, um, in 2017, uh, I had like the darkest time of my life. Um, and I like absolutely needed coping mechanisms. And that is Mm -hmm. right when breath of the wild came out. And, uh, I just, like totally zeroed in and it became a like uh, certifiable uh hyper fixation and it just like it totally lended itself to it because it was something i already had a base knowledge of but there is just so much content for it and it's like mm-hmm. it's just, there's sort of like a inner child aspect to it too so it, it's like uh very important to me can you can you speak to why like what is it like what are the bits like Mm. you know like i can like for example i can point to um like certain heroic aspects of star wars say where um my brain occasionally lives rent free um is it like an aesthetic thing is it like i'm wondering i'm curious aesthetic plays a huge part of it for sure i think um something i really like about the series is um how the art direction changes drastically um between games mm-hmm. um like the the willingness to totally visually reinvent uh the same formula is like very exciting to me because like uh other like you know big legacy ips like they they sort of have the incentive to like stay recognizable like sort of stay within a visual style and like Zelda games, Zelda characters do stay recognizable, but like just the approach, the artistic approach that they take from game to game is so uh, diverse and different. And like Wind Waker, especially like that was that was like the formative game for me. And that game visually is just bulletproof. Like it has aged so well. Like they. Uh, they took a lot of chances with um, mm-hmm. how to visually portray it. So, like, yeah, the aesthetics are absolutely uh, play a huge part in why they really resonate with me. I think, like, in terms of story, um, the stories tend to be pretty rudimentary. Um, so, like, you know, there's kind of... But it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. It 
is. Yes, it is. And it, it gets told fun. over and over again. It's yeah, yeah. It's a legend. It's you know you can think of it as like legends in actual human history, like uh, get retold and sort of warp over time, and like there are recurring characters, um, the but that like manifest in very different ways. So like it totally does feel like uh, yeah, they're fairy tales, they're little myths. So I think mm-hmm. even though like when you are looking at the actual building blocks they're pretty simple and they are also like they are secondary to the gameplay like these are action adventure games um with a story kind of uh wrapped around it or sort of interspersed uh depending on the game uh which like yeah the uh let's think uh the earlier 3D games in particular, like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, um, there is this sort of like separation of gameplay and story where you're playing the game, you're pushing blocks around, um, then you get to a cutscene and you watch a little cinematic, like you put the controller down. This is something that I think about with video games a lot in general, is like, how are they telling the story and how much do they draw from film language how much are they trying to be a film frankly and i think Mm -hmm. like zelda games are a um like definitely example of the um the kind of status quo of uh how stories get played or portrayed in games where like okay i'm watching a mini movie now um I put down my controller, pick it back up, mm-hmm. I'm pushing blocks again. And like, games yep. try to do, um, there's so many different ways of telling stories in games. Uh, I think quick time events uh, are, in my opinion, a very clunky way of trying to mix gameplay and uh, cinema and story, but they yeah, just, like, not a, I do not feel not more engaged by pressing X repeatedly. Uh, no. This is actually, this is funny this is sort of like um uh, trending out of zelda and into just like a thought i have in general but maybe this can be sort of fun to touch on but just like how stories get uh portrayed in games because this is something that made me notice this was um funny enough when i was watching singing in the rain and watching Mm. um Oh, it was White Christmas, I think. Like, these early movie musicals um, that uh, would have a story, would have the, like, central plot, this, like, often a romance, often, like, a, like, oh, save the cabin kind of thing. Um, And then uh, the story would pause for a second while a uh, musical number would happen. I'm thinking of specifically in White Christmas the choreography song yes. or like uh, uh, Mandy, like the like the one that's just Mandy, where it's uh-huh. mostly dancing. Even mm-hmm. yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, and like in the case of Singing in the Rain in particular, it's like you know those were songs that uh, MGM uh, already owned. I believe so. Um, and they're like, uh, we would like to use this in, in a movie. So it is cobbled together. Like that is part of it, but like movies from that era in general, movie musicals, um, are still, um, hewing really close to how stories are portrayed on the stage. Like, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, especially like vaudeville or variety shows that like early film grew out of, like you would have skits, then you would have musical numbers that were not related. And I think like as movies are starting to, um, we're starting to uh, just be able to explore how stories can be told just uh, in a way that movies can. I think we totally saw that and see that with video games as well, like sort of a like a nascent form of media that um, in terms of storytelling uh, only has reference points from other forms of media at beginning. So I think that is why, uh, from my perspective, um, so many games, the main way they tell their story is through little mini movies interspersed. And Mm -hmm. like, so it just really excites me when like, uh, we start to see like new advances in, um, ways that stories can be told only through gaming or just like little story elements like have either of you played undertale it's fine. We're, we're going to undertale we're talking about undertale uh not yet not yet so we may we you may not have enough reference here but i was i was going to actually pull out an interesting point is that like one cool thing about the legend of zelda though is because of its age and its consistency of release without like being like a Ubisoft game where it's like, and we're going to release one this year and next year and the next year um, is that it actually kind of flag posts like signpost things like the original Zelda is actually really good at telling a story mm-hmm. um, in its own way without, yeah, without doing any, any, like you never stop to put on a movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and like Breath of the Wild almost comes back around to it. Yes, yeah, that was a huge part of the success of Breath of the Wild is how they like mm-hmm. uh, brought in elements from the very first game, like really going back to like what was working then. While also including cutscenes that for the first time in a very very long time I had cared about the mm. the memories because I'm, I was I'm like glad oh. you cared about them. <laughs> I cared about the memories a lot. I was like, I went around and I found this. And yes, I would very much like to watch my little memory now. Thank you. I worked very hard to figure out where the fuck to take this picture. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like real quick on, on Undertale. I've only listened oh. to Megalovania. That's a good song. song. Yeah. Uh, I play Banger. rhythm games with, with Megalovania. It's a tough song. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, um, uh, all, all I was going to say uh, with Undertale, this, um, this is a little bit of story. Um, it happens right at the beginning, so I don't think it's spoilers to say but um at the end of the tutorial of the game Mm -hmm. there's the character that has led you through the tutorial her name is toriel um and in order to finish out the tutorial you have to fight her um she does not want you to leave the safety of the tutorial area um so she like you have to you have to fight her but she does not want to fight you she doesn't want to hurt you so the way that fights happen in undertale it's like a little um bullet hell um yeah a little mini shmub um so you have your little cursor and she has her little attacks that um you know move across the field but her attacks um as the game goes on physically avoid you they avoid your little cursor because she does not want to 
hurt you. And that, for me, that's a perfect little um, example of, like, that is the gameplay. That is the battle gameplay. Mm -hmm. And that is a story element that is happening um, directly integrated into the gameplay. Mm. So that that was my little my little okay. mini example. Yeah. But um, yeah, with Breath of the Wild story, um, I yeah. Speaking of filling up entire seasons of podcasts, I could go on and on. But I think in terms of just like in the grand scheme, it's an ambitious story. It is so ambitious, um, and I have problems with it. Um, it makes me glad to hear that you care about it, because like not that was not everyone's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I care deeply, but um, <laughs> I think it's uh, like the story is so beholden to um, or limited by the format of an open world game, because um, there's. There's the story that's happening uh, in the time period that you're playing, and then Mm -hmm. there are the memories that you get that happened 100 years previous. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, due to the nature of the open world game, you might not get any story uh, before you finish the game. You could, like, a player could feasibly avoid uh, almost all of the story. and then just beat the boss. Um, and that, like, that is a valid way to play it. Like, that is how the game was designed, to have, like, just a, like, gigantically broad um, way of playing it. But um, in terms of uh, the the memories in particular um, being scattered across the world, um, in order to get all of them, uh, yeah, you need to have the gumption to, like, go and find them. You have to want to go and find them. Um, and obviously plenty of players are going to be stumbling upon them accidentally as well. Um, so as a result, the memories have to kind of be oriented around, um, most players not finding all of them. So Mm -hmm. as a result, a lot of the memories are very repetitive. Um, Mm. like so many of them are just like, Zelda's like, how do I awaken my powers? Oh no, I can't do this. This sucks. Like at least four or five of them. That is the gist of the memory. Cause like that, that is the core struggle of our title character. So obviously it matters, but it, um, it just, it kind of undercuts the substance of them. If you're going to like really look at the story on a whole, but like that is just kind of, it had to serve the open world nature. It had to, um, they had to account for how players were going to play. Totally. I will, I will push back on the undercutting by one, one reading that I had when I, mm. when I played. Um, so the one thing that like, I compare breath of the wild to Elden ring a lot because mm. they are clearly in conversation with each other. Yes. Um, I connect harder with Elden Ring because it's my character. Um, yes. I don't have the history with Zelda, so I do not have quite a, like a personal attachment to Link. I don't have a personal attachment to Zelda beyond my enjoyment, specifically in Breath of the Wild. Um, whereas, like, because I'm a big D&D player, I can really invest, especially if I get to take the time to make my own character. Um, huh. yes. But when I when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I got sold 
on Link and Zelda's relationship mm. because of the repetitiveness. Because suddenly I was like, yeah, this guy hung out with this this person. This like they spent all this time together, and this thing came up over and over again in this like much more human way that it didn't. She doesn't just mad just solve it. It's a problem. They have problems repeatedly, like with each other, you know. And mm. I thought that that was that was very human um though yeah it does make it like a kind of a single note on that case yes i that that makes me really happy (laughs) i'm really glad that that was your response to it i think like the level of attachment that i have to the characters i i do still technically agree in terms of like how the story hits for me i think i'm sort of thinking in like in a broader space of how your average player is gonna connect Mm -hmm. with it um but also like i can't i can't speak for everyone it's more accurate for me to be able to speak for myself um question do you see them romantically together um yes in the end i do not in like a just in a in a more of a long term slow burn sort of way, mm. um, and mainly because I personally like the the con- not the conflict but the interesting dynamic that shows up between Zelda and Mifa in particular of how I just of thinking because I'm so excited <laughs> um, because and my reasoning behind that is because the story of Breath of the Wild is done in broad impressionistic strokes yeah. you get to fill in a lot of blanks for me my the blank that I filled in there is like these two people have feelings for the same person he's clearly not being super expressive about it to either of them mm-hmm. they still need to be able to work together support each other and kind of be above it mm-hmm. um and that's a cool story for them, uh, regardless of how romantic things work out with Link. And mm. and I think that there's a more interesting story of the three of them that could show up had they had to resolve feelings while Mifa was alive, oh right? God. Yes, that yeah. <laughs> you're. Yeah, you are definitely making my synapses fire. I like. I have such a complicated relationship with Zelda and Link as a ship in like every iteration of them. Like early on for me, it was definitely like my um, being like just deep in compulsory heterosexuality. Like they were sort of a manifestation of that. I was like, well, yeah, they they should get together right because the boy and the girl should get together right and i like i mm-hmm. would not look below the surface and like with some of the previous iterations like looking back like it is way more interesting if they do not have um a romantic connection and like in a lot of them like zelda is way out of link's league like in in twilight princess he like he's this peasant boy she's a princess they share like maybe 20 lines of dialogue with each other and then at the end they're like peace out which like i think is kind of funny um right that is obviously hugely I- different in breath of the Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was like going to say that that's kind of like the the implication of of the first game isn't more. There's no more reason for them to be together than any other like 
like fairy tale yeah like boy and girl next you know, to each other they are next to each other and so like for me i'm like i don't i don't necessarily read it that way in that mm-hmm. one at least because it's hard to read much of anything in that one yeah but and like yeah breath of the wild in particular i i feel similarly where like it is kind of a tough sell for me to imagine the two together romantically um requited or otherwise um and that is again because i think it is a lot more interesting if it is not romantic because what we see Mm -hmm. especially at the beginning of um like when they first meet when they first have to be traveling together she hates his guts she hates him she is resentful because he represents what she cannot do he is this like prodigy he um is in full touch with his powers and that is what she's trying to do she cannot unlock her magic it's a huge and she doesn't want to she's doing it against her will she just wants to study she wants to grow plants she wants to look at robots and she can't do that so he represents this insecurity to her which is like so upsetting and obviously they have to like they get kind of forged in fire they have to travel together at first she is really resentful that he even has to go with her as time goes goes on she like she clearly just needs a friend and she's like okay here's this guy and like sometimes it's really heartbreaking to see um the cutscenes where like she is just like pouring her heart out um and getting nooch getting neutral from link like he's giving Mm -hmm. nothing um but like you know paying attention to some of the later cutscenes or the cutscenes that like fall later chronologically um he like if you're gonna read into his body language like he looks engaged he's like uh when when she's like playing with that frog uh, trying to get him to eat that frog she like she gets down on hands and knees to look at the frog and he does too like he engaged Mm -hmm. um and then, like, you you read her diary, like, in the castle, and she talks about, like, apparently he does open up to her, like, he does speak to her, which, like, man, that happens off screen. <laughs> but yeah. I just think it's, like, it is so interesting to me to have them be this, like, like, it's so complicated. Um, I, I sort of view them as, like, especially in post-game, uh, they, like, they have the potential to even be, like, a totally codependent like um like they are the only two people who have gone through the same trauma and understand what each other has gone through because there are so few living people from pre-calamity i almost said pre-pandemic because i'm so used to saying the phrase pre-pandemic <laughs> ew pre-calamity um, um. but like that it's 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 more crunchy to me it's more interesting mm-hmm. to me so i don't completely write off the idea of romance being involved but it just like it doesn't interest me and another facet of that is that like the idea of them romantically I can't extract Mifa from the formula. Like, Mifa is so, like, in my head, plays such an important part of characterizing Link and characterizing Zelda. And, like, uh, probably not every viewer would see it that way because, like, we we really don't see Mifa interacting with the three of them much at all. We see, overwhelmingly, we see Link and Zelda interact or him, t- or her talking at him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
Mifa talking to Link individually and Mifa talking to Zelda individually. But just like this knowledge that uh, Mifa loves Link. She is in love with him. And uh, we just don't know if it's requited. Maybe it used to be and he like fell deeper into depression. Maybe it was never requited. We just don't know. That is compelling to me. What's your read? My my read is it was re- it was it was requited and that they were distinctly together mm-hmm. and unfortunately Link just doesn't have that left. Um, I li- I like and that it's read. gone. And my reasoning behind that is she proposed. Mifa proposed to him, and oh, he. Ex- that's yeah. Thought, that's what I think the armor is. I thought I, I, she wasn't able to do it. I thought that was part of the tragedies that she was about to and wasn't able to because she got kicked the bucket. I guess my read on that is more. Um, it's a maybe it's a modern read in the sense mm. of like you don't like if we're reading her as not a spring a thing on a person in an unfair way or a, like you wouldn't have talked about this sort of way she was on like they were on the road to proposal mm-hmm. such that she finished making a whole suit of armor mm-hmm. uh, so uh, my my read on that is that like yeah i think they were i think they were together um and that it's the tragedy for me is that Link doesn't really remember that. And that I think the memories he gets back were picked magically for the sake of the world, not for the sake of him. Yes. Um, and so it's, I think, I think it's all tragic. And I, I, I would want, I would like, if someone were to say Zelda and Link end up together, I'd be like, all right, I need three years. I need you to give me three years mm. between these two points, please. Um, yeah. Like that's, that's my, that's how I kind of feel about that. But all of that aside, I will say one other thing I really did like about the interesting dynamics is it does paint Link is heroic in a more in a less grand way too. Of like, mm-hmm. oh, you get to know that this is a person who's willing to still put his life on the line for someone who has treated him pretty badly. Um, yeah, it does not seem I'm, nearly as arbitrary as it does in almost every other game. Yeah, yeah. Or it's more of like a just like this is we're going on a grand mission and there's someone to save at the end, but I don't know and we're just doing it cuss. Yeah. Um, and that's think- and that's all very well and good. That Derek, is also you've been pretty the power quiet. Of, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going <laughs> to... <laughs> Go ahead, Clara. Part of the uh, power of the story, Wind Waker, is that his um, reason for becoming a hero is saving his sister. I think that's that's uh, a really interesting like narrative. That's all I was going to say. Go ahead, Derek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's fine. I've, I've been really enjoying listening to the two of you talk about it. Like, <laughs> compared to the two of you, I have such little Zelda knowledge, and I haven't done a lot of digging. I hope this isn't alienating um, to you. <laughs> no, it's, inter- it's interesting because, like, because like when we were talking about memories and like the order of events like like I'll, I'll put it this way like i don't think link and zelda at the end of the game get together i think link by the end of the game in my every time i've been playing link i feel like link still very much kind of figures out that he like hasn't had time to mourn the loss of of uh, mifa yet mm. you know, like that's i kind of think he ends up being just a lone boy at the end um uh-huh. but that's also because like every time i've played the first few memories I stumble upon are either like Link, like dying, or uh, or some of the memories with Mifa. Those mm-hmm. are like the, always the two memories that I like two or three memories that I, I seem to stumble upon um, in like the playthroughs I've done, and I think like 
it's 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 interesting to kind of like yeah because like the idea of like the memories serving the greater world and this idea of like being this person that wakes up and has to like figure it out and like Mm -hmm. make all these big decisions it is ultimately like yeah like like the world expects you to save it but then like you kind of start doing things in as a player and as link you kind of realize i don't have to save it right now the world's subsisting it's surviving Mm -hmm. i don't have to finish my heroic quest and to me that became the most interesting part of link is the fact that you as the player control whether or not the world is saved like for like i like to, to kind of comment on your elden ring comment dane i've found that i i i relate more to link than i do my elden ring character Ooh. because mm. there's a there's a bit more gravitas with the link can just walk away from all of this if i put down my switch and stop playing mm. link is taking link is walked away from stopping ganon and like saving the world as as, as he knew it and that to me has so much more weight than like putting the pieces of the elden ring together um see uh, my interesting feeling is i have a similar feeling about um about elden ring actually because for my my bit of not zelda lore is that like this thing keeps repeating you know mm-hmm. like the whole like uh, the ganon zelda link conflict keeps playing out over and over again yeah and in elden ring i'm like oh if i walk away uh i go become a hollow like anybody else mm. um and and it's hard for me to sort of betray the the will of like the imaginary person um and uh, see i the the choices presented in elden ring and how the how the game ends gives me more relation to the person because the only the the sweet very almost like romantic read not like i mean romantic in like the um literary sense not like the yeah (laughs) um sense is that like you make a good point like the 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 hyrule in breath of the wild is it's actually fine like some more than other but some places more than others but like yeah the world ended but also everybody's fine the person who is not fine is the person making sure that it is fine who is zelda yes Yes. the world actually doesn't need to be saved and link could walk away and the romantic thing is that he chooses to do a much harder thing yes. to actually just save one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and powerful I... enough that it like, it doesn't even matter if it is a uh, platonic or romantic yeah, exactly. individually yeah. between the two of them. It's like amazing either way. And, and, and I think that's all great, but like, that's the story. The story is you save for whatever reason you save the day in Elden Ring. The fi- the thing that I find so engaging is that the the ending depends on your choices you can make things substantially worse or hopefully better or you get to perpetuate a status quo and i think that choice speaks a lot and then but the the things that really get me in that game are actually more subtle smaller story bits um on the pathway there um and i think that's i think that's interesting yeah no yeah i I think it's it's definitely like 
a different style of gameplay, I think, for sure, and storytelling. I will say, um, you played Champion's Ballad, right, Dane? No. The the, the DLC for Breath of the Wild? You have not played the DLC for Breath of the Wild? For Breath of the Wild? No. Oh my you god, should... you gotta. Yeah, so, so this was... <laughs> they patched the story, Dane. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> oh, so, they patched the story? so much yeah. better. Yeah, so, so when I got Breath of the Wild, the first thing Clara told me was like, you have to get Champions yeah. Ballad right now. Isn't that the... Isn't that the the endless dungeon? No, no, no. That's the second. No, no, no. first DLC. Um, the second DLC is much more story oriented. It's the uh, it's the one with the each champion has a shrine basically, and it unlocks additional memories. Oh. Okay, well, yeah. I'm missing those. I guess sometime I will get around to that. Yeah, cause... you could either, depending on how much time you have to devote to it, you could also just watch the cutscenes. Honestly, I could because I want to talk about them with you. Yeah, but I will say. <laughs> All right, here yeah. I will. I will. I will play. Here's the thing. How about this? Since we we unfortunately have to wrap up, I will. I will make a declarative promise right now. My promise is I will do a new playthrough of Breath of the Wild with this DLC and we'll invite Clara back on to talk about it. Wow. How about that? Okay, there we go. Pretty big promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta hold you to it. I will yep. say there was nothing that motivated me more for the final boss fight than finishing that DLC. Yeah. And up until that point, I was unsure if I wanted to do that final boss fight. It just as Link narratively. Mm. So, mm. but yeah, I mean... I think the beauty of like a game like like The Legend of Zelda and like that whole series is like because it's so like vague and broad and there's so much repeatability and like like I guess repeatability in the sense of like it keeps happening over and over again so there's all this extra lore that carries mm-hmm. over from game to game it's like it's it's done what so many pieces of art hope to do which is create something that they can just like add on but still do the same thing you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's that fine line of um reinventing itself every game that is like so beautiful i feel sometimes about the legend of zelda even being a more minor fan and i'm curious what you think about this clara i feel like i could tell a legend of zelda story properly Mm. in the same way that i feel like i could tell a robin hood story properly yeah yeah that makes total sense yeah it's like on on one hand there is so much lore there's decades worth of lore there's decades worth of content on the other hand the stories just lend themselves to making your own understanding of them and like putting yourself into them Mm-hmm. And that's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been writing my own Zelda, Legend of Zelda fan script. Really? Yeah, I've been outlining it. That's been oh, like... That's awesome. Yeah, because I've been really struggling to write like a fantasy adventure movie for a long time. And then I was like, wait, I love the Legend of Zelda, at least from this one experience. This is like a great world where everyone's doing fan art. Why don't I just write a fan script? Because like I love Link as like this... As like this, I love Link as a heroic figure, mm-hmm. and yeah, I started working on that like a few months ago. You will be showing that to me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe when I finish it, we can do a read through of it on the pod. Ooh. You can yeah. big promises, yeah. big promises. I'll read the role of Link. Jk. Yes. Uh, 
I was going to say, today, Clara, you kind of have that climber link outfit going. Oh my god, yeah, I have a bandana on. And earrings. <laughs> I Okay, you want to know something? It's even a little embarrassing. Or maybe it's not. The I'm wearing different earrings right now, but my usual earrings that I wear are little metal blue hoops, because that's what Link wears. Oh, nice. I'm always oh, doing a little awesome. mini cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Well... We've clearly got to talk about this more later. Yeah, we, we do. got to have you back on the show. Uh, thank you so much, Clara. This has been a really fun, uh, I guess, for us, few hours, for the listeners, few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, guys. I have one complaint. My God. Oh. One. It's oh. it's devastating. Okay. You guys get to hang out in person, and I'm a here. Yeah. Yeah, Clara <laughs> lives 12 minutes away from me. Yeah. We got breakfast this morning, Dane. Breakfast together. We could go anywhere and get boba. We can go walking around parks. And what do you get? You get snow. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do this to me right before I have to go study contracts. Yeah. You could have come. Gonna, you could have come this? to San Diego for law school, Dane. You could have only been two hours away. <laughs> Dane, where are you going to be? Yeah. What do you wait? Hold Phys- on. Physically. Physically. Physically? In, in, like, right now? Or what? In what Actually, context? No. Rephrase. I'm going to be home in Colorado for um, Thanksgiving and Christmas break. Can I see you? Uh, Thanksgiving, yes. And probably some Christmas. Let's do it. There you go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Then you'll be left out, Derek. Yeah. I'll be alone. (laughs) Actually, though, Derek, are you going to be in L.A. during, like, holidays? Uh, not this year, actually. So. Ah, dang. See, I'm coming out to L.A. for some... Anyways. Yeah. So either way, let me know when you're in L.A., though, because maybe there will be crossover. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll actually be seeing family for the first time in, like, three years for, for the holidays. Nice. So Love that. I'm excited. I get to have my annual basketball game with my brother, Aww. and he's going to kick my ass. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But anyhow, thank you, Clara. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be an extremely chatty person, which is sort of my default state. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was very refreshing. I got to do what I did for most of the early podcast days, which is just listen, which is nice. Oh. <laughs> it's a really nice way of saying that I monopolized a lot of the time. No. That's She's okay. also quietly saying that I talk a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always, whenever I'm editing the podcast, I always edit myself out the most because oh. I find myself to be the least interesting part of the show. But see, oh, see, here's the thing: I did a lot of that in in when I was editing up my podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and then I started being the the the, the game master, and I realized I couldn't. Yep. Um, <laughs> that is, and the I was curse mad of being a game. It master. is the curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, on obviously, a podcast, every word out of my mouth has been gold. Yes. Edited Hell out yeah. at your own risk. Yeah. Yeah. Just kidding. You're it's the your only podcast. reason why we're gonna continue to have five stars, Derek. On Derek, you cannot. You cannot do this to the talent. I cannot do this to the talent. I'm sorry. No. Every <laughs> word. <laughs> Man, that'd be funny. What if we replaced you, Dane, for an episode? It's like the ending of 22 Jump Street where they're like, in for contractual issues, Seth Rogen and some other actor is going to play Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. That's sort of really what? obscure reference. What? To an old they did that? In the end credits, they were like parodying, like, we're going to make sequels of the 22 Jump Street. So they did like 23 Jump Street, Jump Street Origins, oh, Jump Street in Space. Okay. And one of them in one of the 
sequels, they replace one of them with someone else, and they make okay. no comment about. Oh it. my god! And gotcha. It's like, it's okay. Like a All funny right. Funny bit joke. I'll send you both the link. It's so obscure, but it's burned into my memory. Anyway, Clara, on the internet <laughs> and just in general, like, where can people see what you're doing? Oh well. If you search Clara Horst into most of the main socials, uh, you will find me. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, for now. Um, I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. Um, those are the main ones that I post on. Um, my my username is usually Icosa, I-C-O-S-A, but um, it's a little inconsistent across websites. So just search Clara Horst. And where can we watch We Baby Bears? On HBO Max. Great. Everyone for go now. And watch that show. And <laughs> for now. Click that like button. Smash that Ugh. like button so HBO Max knows. Capitalism is bad. Yeah, capitalism is <laughs> Sorry. That's a good button. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Clara. And yeah, now we can go tell Dane to go study. Go I have to study. go study. I have to go study capitalism, the law class. Uh, this professor's so good, though. Like he almost has me convinced to take corporations. You know what you should do, Dane? You should start what? making your legal name Dane C. Fogdahl Esquire, and then it should be. You want? You want? Then you should be like. You know what? You want to know what the C stands for? Capitalism. <laughs> Instead of your actual legal middle name. Well, or corporations. If you become a corporate lawyer. If I fall to the dark side, at least I'll get a sweet red lightsaber. At least. And then you'll get to read all that Raylo fan fiction. Um, mm. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.